Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and this is the second straight day with a new Raise Your Voice episode. That's right. You're getting a double dose this week. On today's episode, we are getting ready, getting you ready for summer camp or spring training 2.0 or, or preseason training or whatever you want to call it. I'll be calling it summer camp because honestly, that's the most fun, and I do not care what John Heyman says. Uh, joining me on today's show once again is JT Morgan. JT was on a couple of weeks ago to preview the 2020 MLB draft, and uh, he provided some great insight. And, and JT, I want to get your thoughts on that draft in just a second. But first off, welcome back to the show, and, and how's it going, man? I'm glad to be back. It's, it's great to be talking about actual baseball again. I know, and I and I mentioned it uh, on the site when I put out yesterday's episode. You know, raise your voice. Last year was a baseball recap show. It was kind of your, you know, it, it would come out on a Monday morning. It would get you ready for that week's games and talk about the the week in, uh, in review. So when we launched it on D Rays Bay, it's obviously in the midst of a global pandemic, uh, and there was no regular season to talk about. It made things a little tough, but we were still able to put out some great content, like we did. Uh, with with the draft preview, uh, and let's talk about that draft. The Rays just recently uh, signed the last of their six draft picks. I I, I I I'm pleased with the draft, but I want to kind of hear your thoughts. And let's start with with Nick Bitsko, the guy they took number 24 overall, who was 17 years old at the time. Are, are you shocked that Bitsko was available at this point? And, and how excited should Rays fans be about this pick? I wasn't really surprised that Nick Bitsko was available. It was mildly shocking, though. Um, the bigger overall theme was college draftees being taken up to that point. So uh, right-handed high school pitchers is one of the uh, riskiest demographics there are, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really shock me. I think the Rays took advantage of having an extremely strong farm system and took the risk to take Bitsko. Uh, It looked like other teams were trying to uh, buy him down further in the draft, most notably probably the Orioles at pick 30. And the Rays were probably the last team that could have reasonably taken him if he needed an overslot, but he didn't Mm -hmm. even require that much of an overslot. So that was a little bit more surprising than anything else. And in terms of, of Bitsko as a player, you know, do, do you like what you see? Or, you know, I know he, we didn't even get to see his, his senior season, um, but we got some footage of him from, uh, what was it, the Rapsodo data that came out that really kind of bumped his draft stock again after he reclassified and, and missed his senior season. But, but what can Rays fans expect out of him as a pitcher? Uh, the Rapsodo showing was very good. He has a huge fastball, a uh, – potential plus curveball, which seems to be the Rays uh, flavor of the week for right now. (laughs) And it's, it reminds me a lot when the Rays drafted Taylor Greary with the 24th pick in the 2011 draft. Hopefully he works out a little bit better than Greary. Hopefully. (laughs) But he was ranked the 10th best prospect by Baseball America going into that draft. He wasn't expected to be available but the Rays took a shot. He ended up having injuries derail that career, but, and that's right. always the risk with pitchers. So. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's part of the draft. You know, we can like the pick now, but 
five years from now, we may have different feelings. But in terms of the rest of the draft class, the Rays had six picks throughout, and Bitsko was the first of those six. Uh, and, and now all of them have signed. W- which player should fans keep an eye on the most out of the rest of that class? They are all quite interesting. Alika Williams is a defensive first shortstop that might be able to hit enough, which you don't have to hit a lot to be a good uh, major league player if you're a shortstop. So any improvement in the bat could uh, make that one a steal. Yeah, I really like the Williams pick. I think I, I from the from the footage I've watched and what I've read up on him, you know, his time at Arizona State, uh, the defense is, is really encouraging. And I, I think even Brad Nevue brought out the point. I don't remember if it was in an article or maybe just on the Slack, but there are there was some data that was showing that Williams might have some power that's just not showing up in games yet. But I mean, it's, it's promising to note, you know, for for race fans, even though we're not quite sure when, when any of these guys are going to be playing, you know, with the state of minor league baseball and the state of baseball in general in, in 2020. And, and, and JT, that's, that's kind of why I had you on today because the 60 man player pool was released um, by the Rays on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I believe on Saturday, Friday or Saturday, you put out a projection of the 60 man roster on dracebay.com And, and how, how close were you to, to, to nailing it? I think I had seven wrong, and it mostly was a a philosophical difference where uh, Eric Neander has decided to go basically all in on people who can contribute in uh, 2020 instead of going a little more prospect heavy. Yeah, and you're actually going to get to hear from Eric Neander at the end of this podcast and his interaction with the media. And and I agree, you know, you could technically see almost every player included contribute in some way to the big league roster. Now, there are some rules that made the, you know, the decisions regarding the the player pool a little more interesting. For example, uh, you can only trade players this year that are on that 60-man pool. So any player that's excluded um, from these 60 names cannot be traded this season. The trade deadline is actually going to be August 31st instead of July 31st. It would make zero sense to have a trade deadline a week into the season. Uh, August 31st, you know, uh, I don't know how active teams will be at the trade deadline, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, in terms of summer camp and, and where the Rays are at going into this and, and where they're splitting up the roster, we've got two sites. You've got um, Charlotte Sports Park, where a lot more of the, the inexperienced players will be, you know, ramping back up and, and training for the season. And then you've got the Tropicana field site. So a lot of teams are, you know, they're having their big league camp at their home stadiums. And uh, Eric Neander, and, and he mentions it on that Zoom call that we're going to be playing at the end of the episode. He expects that the 30-man roster that the, the Rays will break camp with, and that is what teams will open with on opening day, not 26 like we would have seen for the active roster this year. They're going to break camp with 30 players. Neander says he fully expects almost all, if not all, of the players that, that break uh, camp with the team to come from that Tropicana field site. So I, I do want to run through – well, when we run through the roster, I'll mention uh, some of the names of the guys that will be at Charlotte Sports Park for summer camp. Um, but, but JT, the, the, the trade deadline. So obviously the, this year is going to be weird on a number of levels. 
And do you think that that the trade deadline is going to look different this year? I'm assuming it will, but but really to what extent? And do you, do you expect the Rays to be active at all? Or again, you know, it, it is too early to tell. I think. But what 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 are your initial thoughts? It's going to be like right now. It's way too early to tell. I have right. no clue what it's going to look like. Teams should be more bunched up, so there probably will be less sellers. So I I don't know. Depends yeah, you what's know. Out there. We talk about, you know, with with a 60-game season, we're definitely going to see, maybe not to the extent if it was like a 48 or a 50-game season, but that's really not that big of a difference to add 10 games. I like the feel of 60 games more, but we're definitely going to see probably at least one team that you would have, you know, you would not expect to, to make the postseason, probably more than one, and some teams that you're expecting to do really well, and we kind of just hope it's not the Rays, uh, that, you know, maybe don't get off to a hot start and don't have enough time to rebound with it just being 60 games uh, and the trade deadline is going to be weird. You're not going to see, you know, I, I don't know. I know they mentioned that players have to be dealt uh, from the 60 man pool, but I haven't read about any restrictions regarding, can you still do players to be named later? Can you do cash considerations or international pool money? Uh, it, it, a lot of unknowns regarding the, the trade market. And, and personally, I don't think it will be active at all because it could be tight enough to where, a large number of teams still think they're in the race come August 31st and decide to, to hold on to all of their pieces. And one last um, rule regarding the 60 man pool of note is that, you know, you, you've got 30 players to uh, start the season with. And then after two weeks, that's going to get cut down to 28. And then two weeks after that, it's going to get cut down to what the normal active roster size would have been. 26. So a rule change going into 2020, we were seeing 25-man rosters become 26-man rosters. And JT, I mentioned this with Danny when he was on last week. Do you think it's interesting that they are cutting it down, the, you know, the amount of players you're going to have on the roster, and that they're doing it quickly? I, I was almost expecting to see a 30-man roster at least through the, through the rest of the season. I was expecting some difference, but I didn't know exactly what the difference would be. I think the race would benefit from any expanded roster. We could go 30, 35, 40. It doesn't matter. The more the merrier. We'll take advantage and take every small edge we could get. Yeah, but, no, definitely. But yeah. I am surprised that it starts out bigger and then gets down to the 26, specifically when we get to September and heading into the playoffs. Since playoff rosters and regular season rosters tend to be a, have a different demographic makeup where you're not as pitcher heavy and you can afford to take an extra batter or two and for matchup purposes. And that's going to create this weird space where there's going to be a month that these players haven't really played in game situations so i don't know how that's all going to play out right and and you mentioned it but the rays and i think this is being said you know not only by you know rays fans and people that cover the team and local media but i think on more of a national from a national lens too people are saying you know if if this season and in the in the depth that's going to be required to get through these games especially when pitchers aren't going to be as ramped up as you'd want them to be it's the Rays, you know, they've got such a deep pitching staff. And we're going to talk about the roster and those that were included, uh, you know, when we run through the roster here in just a second, but uh, Buster only said it too. He goes, the Rays are, you know, perfectly set up for this. And, and I think a lot of people would agree with that, with the, with the pitchers that were included. 
And, and, and the last thing is just uh, three-player taxi squads for road trips. I think this is smart. I think this is probably a no-brainer uh, to replace any guys that get injured or players that are affected by COVID-19. And, and also, players have the option to opt out of the 2020 season. As of right now, publicly, no Rays player has opted out. Eric Neander mentions it. Now, I don't want to give away too much of what he says because I want you guys to hear it from him himself. Uh, but he hasn't heard of any players in their organization opting out. But now at the time of recording, and we're recording this on um, Monday afternoon, I believe Ryan Zimmerman uh, of the Nationals has opted out. Joe Ross, Mike Leake, I think, was the first to publicly opt out. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Uh, but, JT, let, let's run through this roster real quick. So five catchers included. Uh, really no, no surprises here, but Mike Zanino, Michael Perez, Chris Herman, Kevin Smith, and Ronaldo Hernandez. Um, Zanino, Perez, and Hernandez, all three of those guys are on the 40-man roster. And Herman and Smith were both non-roster invites to spring training way back in the spring. Um, but I do want to talk about uh, Ronaldo Hernandez. So we're expecting Zanino and Perez to, to be the one and two catchers going into the season. That, I mean, I guess that could change. Herman or Smith could sneak in there, especially with the 30-man roster. But uh, Hernandez, amazing start to his professional career, become the, the Rays' top catching prospect. Last year in the Florida State League, slash line of 265, 299, 397, over 425 plate appearances. He, he was just underwhelming at the plate. With the other catchers that are included on this list, does Hernandez have a chance to get at least some playing time in the big leagues this year? And, and if there's no minor league season, how could that hurt a, a guy like Ronaldo Hernandez's development long-term? I don't think uh, Ronaldo Hernandez will see playing time in the majors this year. He's the least uh, major league ready of any of the players on the 40 man already. Yeah. With Chris Herman and Kevin Perez, they they have capable, you know, AAA vets that can step up and play when needed, like we saw last year when we went through about half a dozen catchers in a week. Hey, well, we found Travis Darno through that. Yeah, thank you, Dodgers. <laughs> and Mets. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I expect – Kevin Smith to make the opening day roster. Okay. I thought he had a shot when we were back in April of making the opening day. And now I think with 30 man, it's very likely we'll see a th three catcher setup. Okay. So you expect Perez to make it with Smith and Zanino then? Yes, at least initially. And then, at some point, uh, reduced down to two. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. And, and also of note, going back to that taxi squad part real quick, even if the Rays decide to initially not roster three catchers, you are allowed to bring a catcher on that taxi squad, and he is allowed to work out with the pitching staff and act as a bullpen catcher, even though he's not on the active roster. So maybe that's another option for the Rays if they decide to initially you know, add a player of a different position and then bring a guy like Kevin Smith or Michael Perez along to, to be that, that third catcher on the taxi squad. Um, but yeah, interesting to see how the Rays will, will manipulate the roster. Hernandez, he was far off from the big leagues. You know, he, he just played his first year in a high A last season in the, in the Florida State League uh, with the Stone Crabs. 
and yeah, he, he struggled, but a guy that I still think has a lot of promise. And I think eventually we'll get his shot long-term. And then I'm going to run through these infielders real quick and we'll talk about a couple of the players on the list. So we got Willie Adamas, Brandon Lau, Yandy Diaz, Jose Martinez, Joey Wendell, Daniel Robertson, Nate Lowe, Mike Brasso, Wander Franco. And we're going to talk about him in just a second. That's an exciting name though. Vidal Brujan, Taylor Walls, Lucius Fox, Kevin Padlow, and Esteban Quiroz. Uh, we're, we're going to wait to talk about Wander Franco a little later on. We want to give him some more time because I think that's probably the most exciting name. That's a surprise name. Uh, maybe, maybe a surprise um, later on in the, in the episode. But uh, I do want to talk about a group of infielders that we're going to be squeezed for innings this year because of Yanni Diaz at third base, Brandon Lau. We expect him to get a good chunk of the innings and plate appearances at second base. Uh, but Joey Wendell, Daniel Robertson, and, and, and Mike Brasso. Guaranteed not all three were going to make the opening day roster if it was 26. I, I think there's a chance all three of them make it now with a 30-man roster, but we know for sure now that at least – two of them will be included and, and JT. I know you're not the biggest fan of Brasso, um, but, but how do you think uh, all three of these players, you know, their opportunities will change given the, the roster changes for 2020. For Joey Wendell and Daniel Robertson, I don't think it changes much. They would still see significant innings at third base, second and filling in at short uh, with Brasso. I really don't know. <laughs> I'm not a believer in the bat and defensively he leaves a lot to be desired. So I'm very happy for him being an undrafted free agent that made it to the majors, but and we can be that's happy about for him. it. Yes. And, and, and I think he's an option that, you know, God forbid something happens to that group of Diaz, Lau, Adamas, Wendell Robertson of, of the Rays infielders that you say, Hey, we've got this guy, Mike Brasso. He can, he can do a little bit when needed when, if he needs to fill in. And, and, and we have no idea how it's going to go, how injuries are going to look this season, and we're not going to try to predict or project injuries, um, but also, you know, issues surrounding the virus. We have no idea if, if you know, how it's going to affect major league teams and how much they're going to have to pull from players that aren't on the active roster. So Mike Brasso, another option, you know, had some cool moments last season. But, yeah, I agree. I'm not the biggest fan, but he's there. Let's run through the outfielders. Uh, Austin Meadows, Hunter Renfro, Kevin Kiermeyer, Yoshi Tsutsugo, who's on his way back to the United States now, Manuel Margot, Brian O'Grady, Randy Arozarena, Ryan Lamar, Dylan Cousins, and Josh Lowe, first-round pick from a few years ago. Uh, Brian O'Grady in, in, included in the 60-man pool, which, which is not a surprise. He's a 40-man – he's on the 40-man roster. Uh, but, but what are O'Grady's chances of making the opening day roster now that, that it's been expanded? Because I think he was probably on the bubble with the 26-man opening day roster. But you're talking about a guy that can play first base and play in the outfield. And, and he had an impressive uh, season last year in AAA when he was a member of the Cincinnati Reds organization. So, JT, how does O'Grady fit in to the, the Rays roster to start this season? I think he was always scheduled to be AAA depth where the Rays really didn't have much in outfield depth before they made a flurry of trades towards, you know, towards the end of winter, bringing mm -hmm. in Randy Arizarania and Manuel Margot mm -hmm. to help uh, fill in the one spot that they might be a little weekend depth wise. 
But now with Meadows, Kiermaier, Renfro, Tsugo, Margo, and Rosarania, it, it seems like it would be difficult for O'Grady to make the opening day roster. But saying that he deserves a shot at some point, whether it's with the Rays or not, mm-hmm. to prove if he can do it at the major league level, he he is quite interesting in that there are some comparisons to Cody Bellinger of being the first baseman center field type that <laughs> makes it very intriguing to fit inside a uh, inside a roster. In quick question, I don't know if this would, would change your answer at all, but you know, O'Grady hit at a 550 selecting percentage last year in AAA, hit 28 home runs over 488 plate appearances. If he was a right-handed bat, a right-handed power bat, would that increase his chances to find a home on the Rays roster? It definitely wouldn't hurt. But at the same time, I think Randy Rosarania would be ahead of him. Yeah, I agree. And I, don't, it was, I think it was when Jim was on the show, we talked about how Rosarania is, you know, a, a lock-solid uh, – you know, is a lock to make many opening day rosters. And this is back before we knew it was going to be a 30 man roster, but it was going to be a lock to make many rosters across baseball, but with the Rays and, and the guys they had in the outfield, weren't quite sure if he was going to be able to get the innings enough in the big leagues um, to, to break camp with the team. But I think that's a really good sign of what, what the Rays got. And I think O'Grady, again, another guy, I'm not comparing Brian O'Grady to Mike Brasso, but another guy, I think the Rays will be glad to have as part of their organization, either to fill in or maybe, uh, to to you know dangle out there some trade bait um, because he does have have that power and uh, got on base at a really good rate last year in AAA as well. Uh, moving on to the starting pitchers, we got Blake Snell, Tyler Glass, now Charlie Morton, Yanni Chirinos, Ryan Yarbrough, Brendan McKay, Anthony Bonda, Trevor Richards, Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz, Joe Ryan, Josh Fleming, and Sam McWilliams. Now these are the pitchers that were listed as starting pitchers. And I, I don't expect all these guys to get starts in the big leagues this year. Um, but JT outside of the Rays, and I guess we'll say that the Rays top six starters. So you've got Snell, Morton, Glass now, and then Torino's Yarbrough and Brendan McKay. Those are guys that you expect at least at some point to make a start this season uh, outside of those six. Uh, out of the p- pitchers that are listed as starting pitchers, which has the best chance to make an impact on the big league roster, whether it is as a starter, maybe filling in or out of the bullpen. Not necessarily an impact, but Trevor Richards has major league experience as a capable major league starter. And I don't expect him to make the roster, but I expect he'll be in Port Charlotte and injuries will happen and there will be a time when he's needed. Yeah, for sure. Again, another player that was acquired as part of the, the trade that also brought the Rays, Nick Anderson. They sent uh, Ryan Stanek and, and top prospect Jesus Sanchez down to uh, Miami uh, to the Marlins. And a player that I, he pitched a little bit last year for the Rays and overall did, did pretty well. Uh, another guy, another really great depth guy. We keep talking about it. I mean, we could wax poetic about it all day long. The Rays' depth is is just – uh, it, it's hard. It's hard to fathom. You know, you look at some of these other sixty-man rosters and compare them to the Rays, and it's a really good sign, I think, for Rays fans. You know, for this season, and and it's going to be a wacky season. And, and what better year for the the Rays to succeed? Um, Seventeen relief pitchers included. 
Nick Anderson, Diego Castillo, Chaz Rowe, Colin Poche, Oliver Drake, Jose Alvarado, Peter Fairbanks, Jalen Beeks, Andrew Kittredge, Aaron Loop, Ryan Sheriff, uh, Ryan Thompson, Sean Gilmartin, John Curtis, Dylan Covey, Aaron Sledgers, and DJ Snelton. So some names down there uh, towards the bottom of the list that yeah, maybe Rays fans, if you're not hardcore into the Rays farm system and prospects that you're not too familiar with. Uh, JT, I'll, I'll tell you about one player that, that I'm excited about, and I've, I've been a fan of his since the Rays acquired him last year. That's Peter Fairbanks. Now, I know netting, letting Nick Solak go to the Rangers uh, might have been a little bit too much of a price to pay for Fairbanks. This is a guy with a really good fastball, really good slider. And, you know, if the controls there could be a really effective pitcher for the Rays. And, you know, you can either make me feel good about being a Fairbanks fan or uh, make me feel a little more cautious. W- what do you expect out of, out of Peter Fairbanks this season? I'm really not sure. He's on the outside looking in right now, which is a great thing that <laughs> the Rays have about 10 or so relief options that you wouldn't mind being in the major league bullpen right now. And mm-hmm. most teams can't say that. And he's definitely one of them, but since he has options, he'll be on the squad and I expect he'll get some innings at some point because we always need more pitching. So. Yeah, no, for sure. And look, yeah, get it. You get down to this list and, after Kittredge, you've still got guys that have major league experience, like a guy in Aaron Loop, who I, I don't know how effective he's going to be, especially now with the, with the three batter minimum. He'd be, you know, somewhat of a serviceable loogie. Don't know how effective he would be having to face lefties and righties consistently. So we'll see how he, he's used in this season. The race picked him up uh, this past year. He's got big league experience pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, but let's let's talk about you know some of the surprises from that roster. So we ran through everyone. We talked about a couple players that I think are interesting cases. Um, but but let's not beat around the bush anymore. Wander Franco, Ray's top prospect, consensus top prospect around baseball, included at the age of 19 on the Ray's 60-man player pool. Now this doesn't guarantee that he's going to make the big leagues this year, even though he said publicly before that that's his goal to play in Major League Baseball by the uh, as a teenager. JT, first off, were you expecting Wander to to make this list? Absolutely. He makes his own timeline, and he has forced this issue. Yeah, and you look around the league and and a lot of other big league clubs, you know, uh, including some of their top prospects, including including some of the guys that were drafted this year. Spencer Torkelson was the number one overall pick. He'll be on the Tigers' 60-man pool. Franco – Obviously, the top prospect in baseball, switch hitting shortstop. Uh, I, 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 I can say with, with pretty much uh, full confidence, the best prospect the Rays have ever had and, and a guy that Rays fans should be excited about. Uh, if you haven't heard him already, heard about him already, then I, you know, I don't know what you've been paying attention to. But, JT, even if it's for a cup of coffee, are we going to see Wander this year? I don't think so. And part of it is the narrowing down of rosters toward the end. So if we had a normal September call-up, I think it would have been more likely that you get him a taste and see if you want to put him on a postseason roster. But yeah. now since Don't you're going to... Don't tell me that. Wander yeah. in the playoffs, that's exciting stuff. <laughs> yeah. But now that 
we're being cut down to 26 in September. I, it seems very difficult. I think the most likely situation is a significant injury to Willie Adamas, which no mm. one wants to see, but no, definitely. Not. I think, I think that's the only realistic way we see Wander in a Rays uniform this year. And, and I mentioned it with, with Ronaldo Hernandez and, and Wander Franco and Ronaldo Hernandez, two very different prospects. But if there's no minor league season, w- could that slow down or potentially even speed up Wander's development in terms of what we can see out of him in 2021? I don't know because there are still going to be things at least planned. We don't know if they're going to happen, but like the Arizona Fall League, mm-hmm. that Wander Franco would absolutely be one of the prime candidates for the race to send to any uh, environment of that nature. And that would be a great learning experience for him as well. It definitely sucks that we most likely won't see a typical well, even a shortened minor league season. He was 19 years old and was scheduled to, you know, start the season in double A Montgomery. It wouldn't have shocked anybody to see a midseason call up to Durham and force, you know, the race to make some decision in middle of the season if he was really going off, which that's all he's ever done. So <laughs> yeah, watching him get to the Florida state league last year and, and not see a single drop in production uh, was amazing. He was also just traded in, in the winter league. He plays in uh, down in the Dominican Republic. Uh, I didn't know that was a thing, but yeah, a big, big trade, I guess, in Dominican winter ball. Um, Brent Honeywell, this one, uh, not as exciting. Left off the 60 man pool been recovering from Tommy John surgery and, and other injuries, other subsequent injuries and hasn't pitched in a regular season game in, in the pros since 2017 uh, when he was in triple uh, a Durham. It, this Honeywell has had so many big blows to his path to the big leagues. Now, not, you know, there's a very good chance he doesn't pitch in, in a regular season game at any level in 2020, how big of a blow is it to a guy like Brent Honeywell to, to see this happen? This was a huge season for Honeywell. He, after missing two full seasons, he was going to have to prove he's healthy. And we're going to have to see if the stuff's back in game situations. And, you know, it's always an unknown, even though a lot of these surgeries, players have came back fairly successful but it's not always a guarantee. And the biggest thing is this was his last option here. So he was going to have to prove it or be forced onto a 26 man roster next year. Mm -hmm. And that's where the biggest blow comes. And I do wonder if leaving him off this list could see him being placed on the 60 day DL this year Mm -hmm. in order to preserve the option for next year even at the cost of one year's service time. Yeah. And, and I think that's going to come down to how much the Rays still value him as a prospect. You're talking about a guy that was one of the top pitching prospects in the organization. You, know, you had Blake Snell come through in 2016 uh, and blossom in the years 2017 and 18, where he ended up winning the American league Cy Young and, and Honeywell in terms of, of the pitchers that were coming through uh, Honeywell was next and it was Honeywell. And then it was going to be Brendan McKay and, 
hopefully now Nick Bitsko, but uh, it, it's, it, I, I just feel for the guy. Uh, he is obviously very talented and, and puts together a really great, uh, you know, start to his career in the minor leagues. And a guy that I thought was going to be a shoe in to be a starting pitcher in the majors for, you know, at least a few years. And, and that timetable was, was pushed back uh, indefinitely. And, I guess now all we can hope for is that, you know, he gets a shot, whether it be with the Rays or with another big league club. But, you know, you want the guy to get healthy and, and, and get back to baseball. Uh, last part, um, no 2019 or 2020 draftees included. Uh, you look at last year's draft and, you know, you've got Greg Jones, who was a college shortstop that could also, I think, play in the outfield. I don't know how much how many innings he got out there last year. Um, but 75 or 80 grade speed, if, if I'm not mistaken, from Greg Jones. Um, but 2020, I don't know if you would have any player. You know, Alika Williams would probably fit the bill to, to be included. And he, I don't think he's, he's definitely not there yet. Um, but were, were there any players from the last two draft class that you thought might have been included or you would have thought about including or no, no, no surprises here? Uh, not really any surprises. All the players on this list were expected to be at starting the season in at least double A, even the Wander Franco and Ronaldo Hernandez's. Like, it just was outside of Shane Baz. Shane Baz mm. was an interesting addition. Yeah. He likely was going to start in Port Charlotte. So this is interesting whether they think he's going to be a reliever long term, that many people think. If he does he could be incredible out of <laughs> yeah, I mean, the pen and yeah the fastball and slider combo that is very reminiscent of chris archer but if you want to get him to the majors fast you could put him in the bullpen and he could definitely do that you know as early as 2020 yeah and that's going to be exciting to see and we're, we're previewing summer camp as best we can. Uh, I, I know there, there's a lot of question marks about the season and, and how it's going to go and if it's going to finish uh, with, with cases surging for, for COVID-19. But on Raise Your Voice, we're going to do the best job we can to, to bring you guys Raise baseball content. We're going to be previewing um, the action once it gets started. I think July 24th is the official opening day for the Rays. There'll be a couple games on the 23rd around the league. And I think the Rays are starting against the Toronto Blue Jays July 24th at home at the Trop. As of now, no fans. I know they're looking at maybe bringing in fans. I don't know if that's going to be possible or maybe even the right thing to do, but that's not my decision to make. Um, but, but we're going to throw it over to Eric Neander's interaction with the media and talking about baseball's return and, uh, but before that, JT, I just want to thank you for, for coming on again today, man. Thanks. It's been fun talking about Rays baseball. Eric, you talked uh, on Thursday about the balance that you would seek in trying to put this roster together. How do you kind of feel you address that? Obviously, there's some guys on there that it, it might seem a little surprised if they got to the major leagues this year. Um, how did you strike the mix, and, and what do you think of the group? Uh Confident we were going to really like the group no matter how we decided to to put it together. Um, you know, you, you never know. We've got 60 players that are available to us this year uh, as this is set out to cover 60 games. You know, last year was such a grind for us, and I think we used 57 in total. So, um, 
I think it's reasonable to expect, even given some of the unknowns in play uh, for this season, that to cover 60 games, it's unlikely that we're going to need all 60. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, we prioritized what we felt we needed to help our major league club. Uh, and then hit a point where we had some spots we felt we could play with where, you know, if, if things go haywire, we have some pleasant surprises from guys in our system that kind of identified a next wave of sorts that one could you know, potentially be, you know, well down the list in terms of major league options for us, but kind of that next wave and obviously could benefit developmentally from the experience as well. Eric, you guys arguably managed more games Kevin Cast did in a playoff atmosphere or approach than any other team in baseball last year. I don't want to say this is an advantage of the 60 games, but do you maybe look at this like you guys – are more comfortable in scenarios with such such a short season ahead of you? I think a lot of this group was around last year. You know, we returned a lot of our team. And for, for several months last year, I mean, we were – it was tight. We were in a race. You know, every game mattered, um, really mattered. And they, they developed a lot of experience playing in games that, that really matter and, you know, almost – in a sense, this thing, everybody's going to start off 0-0 zero, zero in mid to late July. Late July it is, which is not all that different from where we were last year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think the, the experiences that, that this group was afforded last year will hopefully make them a little bit more prepared to be up for this. And um, it's nice that they had that experience under their belt. And um, our guys are fully bought in to doing whatever Kevin wants to do when it comes to managing games to win that day. Kevin, since you touched uh, Eric, since you touched on the back end of the roster and the spots to play with, you touch on Wander and also Shane Boz um, and and the reasons for the the needed development time. Yeah, um, you know, and and we we would have health and protocols permitting. There are a lot more. We'd obviously love to to be getting reps as well, but. Um, you know, in, in, in Wander's case, he's, I think, advanced enough. And, you know, the, the prospects that you look that we added, you know, the mix, be it Taylor Walls, be it Josh Lowe, who's in here, um, there's some of our more advanced prospects. Uh, so certainly on the position player side, that that's where things went and why Wander was uh, a leading candidate for a spot here, um, just being one of our more advanced position player prospects that are non-roster. Um on, on the pitching side with Shane, you know, Joe Ryan was in camp with us, obviously, as an on-roster guy. He had that experience. Shane's someone that we just felt um, could benefit from just the, the workload and the reps and, you know, an organized setting just as we look out for his development as we go forward. So um, we, didn't, we didn't have that many to play with. And like I said, there, there are plenty more we'd, we'd love to bring, but just felt that these were the guys that were best right now. Hey, Eric, um, what kind of came with the decision of how you guys split up the, the two campsites? Yeah, um, well, a few things. One, just felt that it's responsible, most responsible. Um, we want to we be playing after three weeks of camp, and we felt that based on everything that, that we've learned about what would give us the best chance to do that from a health and safety standpoint, it'd be divvying up these groups, you know, somehow, some way. Um, we learned a lot about our group through camp. We had a pretty good sense for, you know, the, how our roster was, was coming together in camp. Obviously we're talking now about breaking with 30. Uh, 
it's it's a larger number, but we're we're largely thinking and in, in looking at Tropicana Field as where we expect uh, our major league roster to to come from, barring anything unforeseen, uh, and for our group in Port Charlotte to be um, a group that that will be on hand and and ready to go as needed. Um, and again, barring something unforeseen, I don't want to rule anything out, but largely these groups were set up in a way where uh, would expect our the Tropicana Field Group to represent our uh, our opening day roster. Hey, Eric, some procedural things along those lines. Can the guys that are training in the different sites be brought back and forth, or or not? Only when if you pick the guy from Port Charlotte for the opening day roster. Yeah, um, our our understanding and everything along the way here is double and triple check because there's just so many. Uh, rules that, <laughs> that we have to familiarize ourselves with. Uh, our understanding for camp specifically is we have the flexibility to do that as we, as we see fit. Um, I don't anticipate us doing a lot of back and forth. Just again, um, there, there are benefits from a health and safety standpoint to having some separation with the groups, uh, but we do have the, the freedom to, to do that. You know, we would have the ability to have them all in one location should we so choose um, as well. But elected to split them. Uh, and then once the regular season starts at that point, the players that are not part of our major league club will have to be in Port Charlotte and there's no intermingling of the groups other than the taxi spots on the road. Right. So if you wanted to bring Boz up just to torment the hitters in a live VP at the trop, you could. Your words, but we would have the option to, yes. And then secondly, what's the status of Honeywell? Is he injured IL list or is he just a non-selected 40 man roster guy? He is a non-selected 40-man uh, roster guy for this this player play. And nothing, his progression uh, with his rehab, everything's going really well. Uh, just something where, as an injured player, you know, with 60 of these spots to play with, we wanted to fill them with with healthy and active players right now. Eric, then, oh, sorry, Mark. And I just said one other. What, Dylan Covey, obviously, is a potential high-risk guy. Are there any issues uh, unique to his being included in the roster? Yeah, um, we it, purely a baseball decision from our end in terms of, you know, any health considerations for, for any of our players. First and foremost, the, our full support for them to prioritize their health is, as they see fit. Um, and when it comes to Dylan or anyone, that lean on our medical staff and, and the discussions and consultation with that group and, and what they advise. And obviously, ultimately, up to Dylan in terms of how he wants to proceed here. But um, like I said, we're, we're fully supportive. Any player is not comfortable. We're going to fully support them on that if uh, it's not for them. But we, we try to provide our doctors, our medical care, uh, and consultation uh, as much as possible to help our players make the best decisions for themselves. So he's in the group, and um, he's expecting to be a part of it. Eric, on the 30-man roster, eventual 30-man roster construction, would you guys consider, if your pitchers are stretched out enough, having someone who could be used as a pinch runner type in an extra inning situation just because of the way they start with man on second? Yeah, um, there, there are a lot of things that we're going to need to look into. Um, I think really want to make sure, you know, we've got 30 spots allocated to our pitcher. We've got a lot of non-roster pitchers that are upper levels, some minor league free agent signs, some guys that have come through our system. I think we don't want to get too far ahead of anything without first seeing how our pitching, um, you know, their status through camp, you know, their, their progression from a workload standpoint and what they can take on. 
and, and ensuring that we're not putting too much on them too soon. So the, their health, their well-being, um, and being responsible for the pitching side of things as they build up is going to be really important. That's going to have a big say, I think, in how we shape this thing. But uh, that being said, if everyone's healthy in a good place um, when when they come in the door, you know, with these three weeks to go here, it it could potentially get us to think about some different things with the roster just coming in playing with 30 um, out of the gates here. Hey, Eric, when you look at the uh, catcher precision, uh, specifically with uh, the, the two veteran guys, with, with Kevin Smith and uh, Chris Herman, uh, how does their experience, their, their big league experience, uh, you know, come up value in a, in a season like this in the case that you have to bring uh, one of them up, whether it be health issues or, or depth? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think experience of that position is always helpful. Um, that that they ha gain some familiarity with our group and spring training uh, as we head into summer training, uh, summer camp certainly is is nice as well. But yeah, look, it's 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 a position where it's always good to have options, and especially with how uh, this season's being structured, the sixty games, and really needing to be dependent on the players you have in your own camp. Um, you know, to have as many options as we do to get through this, I think it's going to really play to, to our benefit. Eric, you uh, mentioned Yoshi on uh, on Thursday. Can you give us an update uh, as to his uh, ETA uh, arrival here in town? Yeah, he's he ex everything uh, expect him to be here on time to do his uh, intake testing protocols along with everyone else and be ready for the first workout on July 3rd. Hey, Eric, could you actually go over the schedule? Are the position players going to be on the field a third, or how is that going to work? Still, uh, still something that we're we're working through right now in terms of the the exact schedules. We're gonna the, we we do have some freedom in terms of how we structure it, but I, I think especially in the early going, especially the first week, um, we're gonna we're gonna continue to try to limit the exposure that our players have to one another and. And, and sort through, circle, cycle through, excuse me, um, in, in smaller groups to try to keep the, the total numbers at any one time more limited. Uh, as far as the specifics of a schedule, that's something with Cashy Q, uh, our coaching staff, and certainly in Port Charlotte as well, that they're actively working on right now. Uh, we had a walkthrough Friday morning with staff just to feel out the spaces and everything at the trough and, and to start talking through some logistics. And there's there's a lot in play. So that's, that's something that I, I would fully expect to be in a place to share more detail um, probably mid, mid this week. Follow-up to that staff-wise, staff uh, do you expect any major league staff to, to be down there in Port Charlotte or will that be minor league coaching staff-led? Yeah, uh, as, of, as of right now, our major league staff, we expect to all be up at Tropicana Field um, and, and Port Charlotte will be – uh, we'll, we'll be led down there. Michael Johns, um, on the position player side and kind of the, the camp coordinator, uh, of sorts, Dewey Robinson will be down there on the pitching side to oversee that along with Rick Knapp. Um, I don't know, Dave, if we've circulated, uh, staff groups or anything like that, but I'd, I'd be happy to elaborate on it or we'd be happy to get it to you afterwards here. But our major league staff, like I said, we're kind of using the trough as our, our major league camp for a lack of a better term here. Um, and that being our focus and where our staff will be with the ability to bounce back and forth as needed. But our Port Charlotte will be largely supported by our coordinators. Um, 
uh, on the minor league side and, and some additional minor league staff as well. Eric, this would be contingent on what scheduling looks like, but if let's just say you have a four-game road trip, would you consider holding that fifth starter back here in Tampa just to limit exposure to travel and to all that? Has that been discussed? Yeah, um, things there, there's a long list of items like that that uh, on their face seem pretty logical and if we're trying to, to preserve safety and <laughs> well-being of our players then yeah I think if there's someone that we don't anticipate being used on a trip you know I, a two game a three game a four game anything like that then I think there's a lot of merit to them just not making that that trip um, certainly in, even at home you know we're we're recommended that or it's recommended that players that are not expected to play in that night's game you know, similar circumstances, maybe last night's starting pitcher, uh, that they don't occupy the dugout just to manage numbers and to, to limit exposure when they're, when, when we're able to, and it's not going to impact the, the competitive integrity of the game. Eric, looking at the Port Charlotte roster, one of the things that stands out is you do have a lot of prospects there, but as you kind of said, it, it seems like the, it, the weighting was very heavily towards players who could conceivably contribute in 2020, you know, not 2019 draftees, though 2020 draftees was considering y'all's kind of where as a playoff contender, was that the kind of the, the, the deliberation, the thought process? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's pretty well said that that was a, a big part of it. Um, we want to make sure we, we expect to contend, we expect to compete. Um, we've, we've kept tabs on a lot of our major league players over the last few months, and we're optimistic that they'll come in ready to go, but there's a lot of unknowns that, that come with all of this. So uh, it was important for us to make sure that we utilize this 60 man group uh, first and, and foremost to prepare us to, to be as competitive as possible for the major league team. And then we worked our way down from, from there. So um, yeah, no, that's a very accurate observation. And, and just to follow up with that, that I, I, you expect most teams will leave some, some room here like you all did, you know, is that kind of the thought that you're, you, it's much easier to add someone to the 60 than the, the, the taking them off process. We actually, we went, we went 60 full. Um, so we've got our, our whole group. Um, I'm not and and just, just did what we thought was best for us. We had some arms in camp. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to catch a few here and I'm going to miss some, but you know, John Curtis is an example uh, Aaron Loop, you know, Aaron Loop is throwing the ball really well. He's going to be part of our Tropicana field group. But John Curtis is another one. Uh, Sam McWilliams came in this camp working out of the bullpen and was showing upper 90s velocity and an improved slider. want to see where these guys are. Um, there's, there's a lot of benefit to getting in and, and seeing if they built upon where they were in the spring. So those are guys that potentially could fortify our, our major league club or, you know, the, the type of insurance you want to have on hand. And uh, we don't want to take that for granted, certainly um, as, as we get ready for camp here. Uh, as we go along, certainly things could change, but want to make sure we're in the best position in our major league club right now. Eric, on that end, it, it, obviously you have injuries. At some point, no one's going to go through a full season, even in 60 games, one would think, without any. Do you tell players like in that next group, hey, stay prepared, stay ready. We know there's no minor league season right now, but we, you, you may be part of our – situation yeah um yeah I, I think given the circumstances in play here communication is all the more important when it comes to setting expectations um, we've spent this last week 
you know, once this came together, it was to finalize staff and the staff that could participate given the guidelines. And then it was to finalize our roster. Um, we haven't had a lot of that communication yet. Even, um, you know, a lot of our communication with the six that are coming in are like, hey, you're coming, find a place, get here, get to one of these two locations. Um, I, I'd anticipate that we're going to do m- – we tend to try to communicate and set expectations properly for our players. We think it's important, but I think it's critical under the current circumstances here that the more you let them know of what could happen, both for the guys in the 60 player pool and those that aren't um, the better off that, that will be. And, you know, for those that aren't part of this 60 player pool, you know, I think they don't need a whole lot of additional motivation to, you know, to, to try to make the most of their time while they're out on their own their careers are in their hands and their development's largely in their hands and we're trying to do the best we can to support it right now but um i think we've by and large we've got a pretty motivated bunch but uh, yeah no we we will do our best to to communicate and, and set expectations as best as we can here as you uh eric as you look at that roster of the 37 guys uh, at the trop i mean it's relatively similar to what you had toward the end of camp i mean you how do you kind of look at the strengths and weaknesses there? Just being an actual baseball question here. Yeah, uh, dig it, dig it. Uh, we really, really, really like the, the group we have. I think everything that we said at the beginning of camp holds today. We went through camp physically. Guys were where we wanted them to be. Um, and some, I think, were even ahead um, with their physical and skill development. So uh, the position player side, I think we've we've got a group that allows us a lot of flexibility with how we match up in any given night from a handedness standpoint, from a positional versatility standpoint. Um, there's a lot of different ways we can put, you know, a starting lineup together. And I, I think that's something that will that will certainly help us. Um, we, we knew we were, you know, back in March and before this began, uh, we knew we were going to be sending some major league caliber players to Durham, but that was important with respect to the depth we built up. And I, I think given some of the uncertainties with this season, um, we're just all the more thankful that, that we have that in place. Uh, and certainly on the pitching side, again, uh, versatility, adaptability has kind of been our thing. And we got a lot of pitchers that are conditioned to, to suit us in a lot of different roles and we're likely going to need to take advantage of that. But the depth we have um, is something that I think should really help us navigate this and, and allow us also to be responsible in the early going with how we build our, our length and bulk guys, starter guys, however you want to call them um, as we go along here too. What, what's the, what's the limit on the opening day roster for the number of pitchers? Is it split? Is it like it was going to be 13 and 13 on the 26. Is it 15 and 15 now? Great, great question, and um, I have so many things going through my head now. I don't don't hold me to this. If someone could fact check me, I don't believe there is a pitcher limit um, or a pitcher, a, minute, a pitcher limit on this. I think it's up to us to decide um, how many pitchers we want to to have on the roster. So, which makes a lot of sense when you're trying to just prioritize looking out for the pitchers and that we're not putting too much on them too soon. Be it the starters or just be it guys returning, at, you know, back-to-backs and the like out of the pen. Uh, given that Alvarado can play first, you could probably go with an extra man, right? Yeah. Can, yeah, 30 players, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Cashy gets a little creative. Eric, do you plan on utilizing the three exhibition games? I don't know which teams, if any, are planning to use their spring training facilities. Who are the options other than the Marlins? Yeah, um, haven't gotten there yet. That'll be that's a question that's at the forefront for 
tomorrow in, in, in our conversations tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. We're going to get a finalized list of where teams will be training and the like. Um, that's, that's something we're going to discuss. I think either way, if we play games, great. There's a lot we can do internally to simulate a lot of what I think you'd need to get out of games. Um, if, if we have to, we'll be fine that way, but nothing, nothing's been decided on that and uh, waiting to, for a finalized list of where uh, other clubs have been training. So. I had one other player question. Maybe Neil probably knew this, but I was maybe a little surprised. I see Quiro's on the list. Um, the guy you got and picked up in the trade, what, what does he bring that he'd be included? Uh, old, I mean, talking about just a left-handed hitter, infielder um, that has hit. Um, had a really nice year last year in AAA. Um, you know, just having the AAA experience under his belt as someone that had he been with us, back in February would have been a major league camp with us and uh, really was uh, a fairly easy addition to, to this group as it, as it set up. So an opportunity for us to get him in, get to know him better um, firsthand, but just given what he's done and how he produced in San Diego system at the time we acquired him, um, felt he'd be a nice line of, of depth and, you know, someone we'd like to learn a lot more about here. And you, you mentioned like the potential for guys like 61 through 70, whatever, but it, unless there's a injured list placement, suspension, restricted list, right, you, you can't take somebody off unless you have to get rid of them. So you can't yeah. really be that interchangeable. This is kind of the group you have, right? That's, that's yes, correct. That's, and, that's, and that's how we've been thinking about it. And, and, and part of that is why we were, you know, as we looked at it, we just, we felt there were a lot of guys upper level. And I mentioned like the McWilliams, the Curtis types, but there's, there's quite a few, even, you know, Ryan Lamar on the, the position player side, guys that, you know, if we, if we went too heavy towards, um, you know, some of our younger prospects, you don't want to ever be in a situation where you're being forced to have to utilize guys for your major league team. You might not otherwise want to, or it might not other, be best for them. So, um, yeah, no, it's once the guys are on, if the, they're coming off, it's probably, you know, you're going to have to release them and, and move on. I have time for one or two more at most. Nobody else? Nice, okay. Jeff. I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, uh, have there been any Major League Baseball protocols issued regarding access to players, both in spring training and in the regular season, whenever it starts, uh, in terms of post-game access to players directly by the media? Dave, do you have do you uh, have latest on that? Yeah, we'll have we'll have something uh, sent out most likely tomorrow that details that. Um, but our understanding, I is that there's not going to be in-person access, at least for the foreseeable future, and probably not for the uh, for the whole season. So that's that's not really news. I mean, that's been that's been uh, reported already. But we're going to be limited. I think even from a front office standpoint, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, we have limited staff spots. Really. I think we have only four staff, front office staff, that are going to be able to interact with our our player group and staff group so um a lot at a distance and, and virtually here as we we get going all around 
Eric, do you think there'll be a lot of trades around the game, or do you think it'll be pretty limited? I mean, I'm sure it's tough for you and um, your friend in Seattle. Jerry, you haven't even probably seen each other in a while. But. <laughs> of course. Uh, it, it's a really good question. I, I, I don't know. And this, you know, it, it, for the – I mean, these last couple months, we just – we haven't spent that much time thinking about it. So much has been focused on just trying to, to take care of our own business internally. And now it's – I think now we've set a staff. We've set a roster. We know the protocols. That's all been firmed up. Um, yeah, if, if some time opens up, I'm sure it'll wander towards <laughs> – wondering about trades and different things we might be able to do. So, um, yeah, look forward. I, I, I hope everyone's able to stay healthy enough and we're able to keep this going in a way that, that allows us the opportunity to, for our thoughts to wander in that direction. Eric, Eric hi. I have one question. Um, so you said uh, starting pitcher might stay home if he doesn't pitch, but if you have a two-card in low in uh, away, and then he doesn't pitch the next one, then you cannot come home with a, like a public transportation or commercial airline. Is that correct? Yeah, they, they um, strong recommendations. And I'm not 100% positive it's mandated or <laughs> a very strong recommendation. Regardless of whether or not it's been mandated, um, we're going to do everything possible to keep uh, our travel private. Uh, we're we're going to avoid commercial travel at, at all costs um, as, as we go through this. So um, yeah, there's a lot, you know, to what Justin asked about the, the pitcher, if he's not scheduled to pitch it during a, a road trip, you know, those are things that I think are logical. There's a lot of questions like that that we're going to look into, but um, I, I don't think we'll make many decisions where we're, we're putting our players on uh, commercial airlines as a way to achieve our plans. We're going to, we're going to try to, keep them as isolated as possible as that's been recommended to us um, by various medical professionals and also by the league. That's going to do it for today's episode of raise your voice. If you subscribe to this podcast feed, you'll get new episodes of this show and the hit show downloaded directly to your device. If your platform allows it rating and reviewing the D raise Bay podcast network feed is the best way to continue getting our shows in the ears of more and more raise fans. Thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you next week.